the first thing you have to think of is with respect to the product and the idea, the business is one, first, most importantly, how are you going to make money? Mm. Right. So that's called a business model. And that has to be very clear. Um, you also have to understand what the competitive landscape is and yeah. is it new? Uh, either way, the most important question, the next one is um, what is the market opportunity, meaning the size of the market once you're in it, like if you grow and succeed, how that is what determines how much you could potentially be worth if you're doing well. Yeah. Um, and that is the first question that a lot of VCs, VC investors want to know. If it's not a big enough opportunity, they won't invest. They don't like small businesses. So um, that's the second question. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi, and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Uh, I am so grateful that you made the time to be here and with everything that's going on. So thank you so very much. I think you have been one of the people who've been gone out of their way. Uh, you said, I can do this night. I can do this time. I think even on the day you were traveling back, you were up for the interview. So I'm very grateful and honored to have you on my show. So welcome to the show, Sandhya. Thank you for having me, Savita. Very nice to you. Yeah. So I want to get started straight away into your journey. Um, tell us, uh, the audience, which is mostly women here, what your journey has been so far and also why you started Skin Dossier. Um, so I, after schooling, I, um, I had been working in the beauty industry, you know, the big corporate um, institutions like uh, L'Oreal, Limited Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret, Beauty, um, where else did I work? J&J, um, Johnson & Johnson, I don't know yeah. how familiar people are, yeah, uh, and companies like that. And um, then I went to graduate school a joint program with a school in a, a FIT in New York, IFM in Paris, and Hong Kong Polytechnical Institute. And then when I came back after that experience, um, I joined a smaller company called Zir, Z-I-R-H. Okay. And at the time, it was owned by a private equity fellow, mm -hmm. and he ran it like a startup. And okay. there were only six of us. So when I was hired, uh, it was for a marketing role, but I be I became head of marketing and product. And I also started doing fragrance development, copywriting, all the things I wanted to, as long as I could show the CEO, you know, where I was going with my thoughts and how, you know, whatever project or, you know, idea I had was going to make money and he bought it. I ran with it. Um, so that was very thrilling. Long story short, that company got acquired less than a year later. Uh, by PNG, and uh, after that um, experience, you know, I was like bitten by the startup bug, and I've never been back to the corporate side. Um, only startups since then. Okay. So uh, after that experience, I decided to try and launch a men's grooming brand with a couple of my former colleagues, and called uh, Helix. Um, 
fundraising was really, really tough despite our success. Mm -hmm. You know, we had lots of awards. All of us on the team had incredible experience. One co-founder was the former creative director from NARS, Shishedo. Wow. Uh, another one was formerly, before working with me at Zur, was uh, <coughs> head of digital at Estee Lauder uh, at Mac. And um, yeah, very, very strong team. But uh, the fundraising was so hard. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very tough to even get meetings. And then when I was getting meetings, people were declining because they were saying, oh, I invested in Dollar Shave or Harry's or these other companies all run by men with mm -hmm. no domain expertise. So it was very, very frustrating. So then um, around that time, a friend of mine, this guy named Pavin, who ran a startup community, had asked me and several others to be contributing writers for his blog for that community. And he wanted us to write articles on a, I think, weekly or monthly basis. And I was like, he's, he's crazy. What am I going to write about? How I'm trying to get funding and not getting funding from my startup. No one wants to hear from me. So I didn't do anything for a few months. And then finally, I wrote an article um, titled VCs Think My Boobs in an Algorithm. And I wrote it because I was kind of mad. I didn't understand this nonsense that was getting funding. Um, when I had gone home for holidays, Day, the Christmas holidays, you know, which is about one week to two weeks here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, my my mom, my parents are both physicians. My brothers are phys. I'm the only black sheep in the family, um, non physician. And my mom said to me, "You know, you keep having all these meetings, Molly, but nothing is happening." Mm. You know, I was thinking maybe you should see a psychiatrist, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god." Uh, this is really bad. And no, I don't need a psychiatrist. This is just how it works. And it's a very frustrating process. And I, that just made me more angry. So I came back to New York. I was reading, you know, the tech newspaper, you know, tech crunch and uh, crunch base. And I read about this company called True & Co, which had gotten venture funding. And the girls launched a uh, bra company with this long quiz to find the right bra mm. and it was the dumbest thing ever the quiz had more questions than um there's a dating site that had, was notorious for lots of questions that a lot of people didn't even do here i forget the name of it but anyway like that so many questions i felt like i was taking the sat again <laughs> and um the bigger issue with this is the one, the questions, you know, there's no way to assess the right bra, the right fit, because you can't quantify things like softness and stretch of lace and, and like the cushioning, like all these things have wide variables in terms of quality and feel like yeah. it's very, very hard. Yeah. So, uh, and then keep in mind, there's no standardization of sizing across yeah. brands. <laughs> Right, yeah. you can be one thing, shoes, jeans, bras, everything. That's yeah. just how it is. So uh, I thought it was stupid, that part. And then more importantly, from a business perspective, everybody knows like these companies make more money. The margin is with the panties, not the bra, right? Because there's a lot more uh, work involved, manufacturing work, materials, all the stuff for the bra. And then if you think about how a woman like uses these products, she might change her panties twice a day. Uh, if she's working out, um, she might always put them in the machine over time. They might, you know, break down, but they're so cheap. Women are buying. If you look at the ratio, you probably have three, three times more panties mm -hmm. than bras. 
Anyway, this company did not have any panties. Mm. And I thought that was just absurd, right? Uh, so from a business point of view, it just didn't make sense. Nothing about this company made sense. So it was struggling. Anyway, so that was the first article. Because of the title, um, it got a lot of attention and it went viral. Mm. And then uh, this guy that I was dating, who's now my husband, uh, had said, well, for your next article, you should shoot bigger and uh, approach a publication with your next article. So I did that. Uh, I approached uh, Business Insider and they published my next piece, which was called uh, Dear VCs, I'm Breaking Up With Some Of You. <laughs> Again, I'm around the same sort of topic about the absurdity of this whole process and how domain expertise is not valued and how hard it is mm. uh, and how many of the things they are funding are just like crapshoots where people don't understand the founders have a complete lack of founder market fit. Uh, there was a fashion company I mentioned in one of those articles that had gotten funding and then they missed the buying cycle. So because they missed the buying cycle, there's only two big ones, right? Um, fall, winter, spring, summer. Uh, they had to push back their launch about, I think, six months, which is pretty absurd. Mm. Anyone who's seen even, you know, that movie, uh, what is that movie? You know, any of these fashion movies would know. There's two yeah. <laughs> seasons, two buying cycles. Sorry, that's a dog. Um, so um, that was the second piece. Then I wrote another one. And then since then, I have been, tweaking my writing to be more journalistic. It started off a little snarky and uh, very funny too. Um, I mean, it still had a lot of factual points, but then I realized in order to really, to get more influential as a thought leader, mm -hmm. I had to write like a thought leader. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so even if you're writing an article about one company, you can't just write about one company because then you look like you're just putting them on a pedestal. You have to cover the whole um, competitive landscape and mention what the opportunity is and who mm -hmm. the other competitors are. Like, that's how you do it. Okay. Uh, trends and things like that. So um, I refined my writing style. Um, around this time, after, you know, a few of these articles, I got an inbound message from an executive through LinkedIn. And I ignored the first one. I thought it was just some guy weirdo. Second one, I looked at his message again and I looked at his profile and he was an MIT fellow. So I thought, hmm, uh, I don't know what he wants. He wanted to meet with me to talk about like beauty, skincare stuff. And uh, long story short, he had a genomic startup mm. and he wanted me to explore the opportunity of me joining and then launching this skincare brand within it. So that sort of came only because of the writing. So I'm a big believer in you know, you might not know where an where you know uh, life will take you, but if you put some energy out there about you know what you're doing, what you like, what you understand, and you're sharing that knowledge, sometimes that will bring new opportunities. So that's exactly what happened. I uh, got hired by this genomics company. Over time, they did not get funding, but then they told me, "Why don't you spin out this beauty division?" And it was called Skin Genie at the time. Um, fundraise and you know launch the app and all that so that was an app a software based company mm -hmm. um, software as a service for retailers and big brands and I launched the app within a few months uh, it was an AI based sort of hyper personalization hmm. using DNA raw DNA data yeah. um, for skincare and hair care so 
uh, I entered a bunch of these beauty contests, um, CW, which is Cosmetic Executive Women, J&J had one, Cody had another, mm. won a lot of awards, prize money, grant a grant from J&J. Um, and then I did an accelerator in uh, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley Beauty Tech Accelerator. Mm -hmm. Then um, sadly, you know, I had a co-founder fell out with, uh, there are two other co-founders uh, who were scientists who didn't really understand like um, a lot of, we didn't agree on the business uh, strategies. Okay. Um, and then long story short, I was trying to figure out what to do. And all this time I, you know, continued writing. And um, then I realized, and then, you know, I just took a time out. I just was writing, consulting on the side. And then um, the company, that company was dissolved, even though it was doing really well. Um, then uh, two years had passed almost. And I realized nobody caught up with what I had been doing with the, the hyper-personalization for skincare. Yeah. So then that was the impetus for me to start Skin Dossier. Skin mm -hmm. Dossier is even more personal, more hyper-personalized than Skin Genie was. Okay. So it's an AI and machine learning based platform. And we have three diagnostics. We have uh, raw DNA data that can be analyzed. Mm -hmm. and then within minutes, if a person has already done DNA testing, um, if you haven't done that, then there's facial imaging with depth. And it's very similar to what the iPhone does. You know, when you turn on your phone and it recognizes who you are, even yeah. if you have your uh, phone here or here like yeah so the idea is, is it has a um, 3d imaging of the face and because it's 3d you can understand what kind of pimples a person has if it's cystic mm -hmm. or if it's just a blackhead you can also understand how a person is aging because just looking at yourself 2d like straight on in a mirror doesn't give you the full picture mm -hmm. you really have to turn your face okay. and start looking like that and then you'll see, oh, I'm losing, most people, most bases anyway, will lose volume yeah. here, here. Yeah. Um, and we have more of a volume loss issue than wrinkles and mm. deep wrinkles and fine lines. Okay. Uh, so understanding all of that will help you, uh, will help us uh, recommend the best treatments and products. Mm. Um, and with DNA, you can understand like what traits you're predisposed to that you may or may not exhibit. Okay. Even not exhibiting them, that doesn't mean you don't have it, the predisposition. It just means that you might be managing your skin well. So by and large, most daisies are predisposed to have hyperpigmentation issues. Mm. That might surface when you're extremely stressed, when you're pregnant and undergo like hormonal changes, yeah. or when you go and do extreme treatments, you know, like chemical peels and things like that. Okay. Um, or when you use aggressive products. So any of these things, but understanding that can help you manage how, you know, the, the appearance of that trait. Uh, so that's why I'm doing it. Another reason why I was drawn to beauty tech is because it's really untapped. And it's an area that I think is fascinating because retail tech has changed, especially because of COVID, that desire has accelerated. Yeah. Uh, there's no way to shop. Like if you go into a shop, um, like a Sephora or um, it's another place that you would know, Shopper yeah. Stop, like all these Nika, kind of places. Nika's Nika. Yeah. yeah, Nika. Usually, you know, there are young girls there selling the products who are just college. They're not experts in skin. Yeah. yeah. And 
with makeup, it's different. If you're around the same skin color as somebody and have the same kind of style, yeah, you can just get their lipstick shades and eyeshadow mm-hmm. shades and buy that and it's fine. Yeah. Skincare is a whole nother ball game. Yeah. You cannot eat some, oftentimes you can't even use the same products as your sister or cousin because you have different skin. Yeah. So uh, allergies or oiliness, things like that, right? So um, you really have to understand all of, you know, what your special needs are, what you need to avoid, you know, what you, what is best for your skin type and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's the need for hyper-personalization. And because we have more diagnostics and then we, the last diagnostic I forgot to mention. So we have facial imaging with depth. We have um, DNA analysis. And then the last one is bio-rich data. The bio-rich data is really cool because uh, we extract that from the cell phone. Most people these days are using the activity app for tracking, you know, their fitness. Yeah. Um, and then they use the health app um, mm. for fertility information, period tracking, yeah. uh, allergies, medication, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So then instead of asking a long quiz, no one wants to deal with a quiz that's longer than, you know, 12, 15 questions. Otherwise you get yeah. quiz fatigue and you stop using this. Yeah. Yeah. So we will ask them questions, but it's stupid for me to waste a question on how often do you work out when I get a much better answer from the smartphone Yeah, that can tell me, oh, Davita works out four times a week and her heart rate on average is 160. That means you're probably sweating. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The duration is 30 minutes and she is outside. (laughs) And the UV index is X and the pollution is X and it's uh, far more valuable information. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So if you're sweating and then you're outside in polluted air, then you're probably clogging your pore. Like we can help you manage the skin far better. Yeah. So that's the beauty of that. Wow. So we use geolocation and by a lot of bio-rich data. Okay. So, I mean, this is like, a humongous amount of work and your achievements like I didn't know that much on the writing uh, and you know when you when I was looking uh, you know when I was checking the work that you do and I was thinking hyper personalizing I was actually thinking just about the questionnaire because I recently did oh. my product uh, which was about you know you had to take and and I realized that maybe what I thought about my own skin wasn't right because the product that's come is actually more drying Uh, I mean, it's not moisturizing my skin enough. So it's wrong. So I know I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to buy. So they've been reminding me saying, hey, you know, this is the product that we designed for you based on your questionnaire. And I'm like, oh, but that's not working for me. And now I'm not sure if I'll answer the questions right. So I'm not going to buy more. So, you know, it's dropping off right there, even though I'm interested in getting it, some, getting something which is so customized for my skin. I feel like, wow, I love what you're doing. How can I get a piece of the action? And is it already up running available? Um, no. So I'm working. So we're building the back end right now and I'm actually fundraising it again. Um, because this is a new company. Um, But this time around, uh, I joined another like accelerator group, one that's Mm -hmm. pretty exclusive and known as second to Y Combinator in the tech community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think I'm in a better position. Uh, My team is really strong. One of my co-founders is a renowned dermatologist who launched one of the largest Asian genomics companies. in, he's based in Singapore. And then uh, our advisor is a former chief digital officer of Sephora Global. Um, wow. So very strong team. Mm. Um, 
what else can I say? Then, you know, my, I told you my writing has also gone up a notch. One of my yeah. dreams or goals for the new year in January was to get published in TechCrunch. Oh. And I actually did manage to get that yeah, done by that. the end of January. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing things like that to help. And then the article I wrote was called uh, Beauty Tech is Big Money, Not Hope in a Jar. And um, yeah, so ultimately when personalization works, whether it's for fashion, whether it's for beauty or what else are people using? They're using it for so many things these days. When yeah. it is accurate, the conversion is really high. And yeah. when retailers and big brands see that, they spend money on this. Mm. So that's the goal now because people are spending so much more time, you know, online, you know, on their apps, phones or computers to do the shopping. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I mean, I'm loving what you're sharing so far, but the writing, I would love to read. Uh, please, I've got to drop the links with this episode so everyone can read it. Um, so did you at any time, before I actually move to our next question, did you at any time think that like even five years ago, let's say 10 years ago, did you think you would do, be doing something like this? Did you have the inclination or is it like it just happened in the last few couple of years? Uh I mean, I've been doing this startup stuff for the last eight, seven, seven and a half, eight years, eight years, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, I did not have an inkling. I didn't really know, like, you know, before I was the corporate girl yeah. <laughs> working at the big companies. Yeah. So no, I didn't know. That you would turn entrepreneur, you would be fundraising yourself. You never... And seven years ago is when all these startups started happening in the consumer world. Before it was yeah. pure tech, right? So, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So I, my next question is about, you know, as you're going through this process where you're building the tech, right? What are some mm -hmm. of the stages that every beauty tech entrepreneur needs to keep in mind when you start from, let's say, ideation to your like finished product? Is there some, some tips that you can share around what those stages are and what one should look out for or plan for if they want to do yeah. So the first thing you have to think of is with respect to the product and the idea, the business is one, first, most importantly, how are you going to make money? Mm. Right. So that's called a business model. And that has to be very clear. Um, you also have to understand what the competitive landscape is and yeah. is it new? Uh, either way, the most important question, the next one is um, what is the market opportunity? meaning the size of the market, once you're in it, like if you grow and succeed, how that is what determines how much you could potentially be worth if you're doing well. Yeah. Um, and that is the first question that a lot of VCs, VC investors want to know. If it's not a big enough opportunity, they won't invest. They don't like small businesses. So um, that's the second question. And then, so what you really need to do is a lot of research. Um, research to support why uh, your product makes sense, number one. Research to show you know, what the competitive landscape is and then the market opportunity. And uh, the business model, you know, it can evolve, but you need to show like how you're thinking and how you're going to use funds and um, yeah, why it's a real business. Yeah, okay. Who your customers are, all of that. 
And, you know, if you have domain expertise, I think that always helps, but you don't necessarily need it. Uh, you just, the, what's most important is you've done your homework and you know the space in and out. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, thank you for sharing that. I was actually going to ask you, how does your writing help with, you know, uh, the starting of the business? Does it help? Or is it like two different, uh, it's just two different things that you do? The writing uh, helps me as a founder. So it, it's part of my personal brand. And yeah. as a founder, it gives me more influence. And I'm essentially, I've positioned myself to be a thought leader, to get published. So I'm actually a regular contributor to a publication called Beauty Matter. Mm -hmm. Beauty Matter is a global publication that you know just focuses on all things beauty, consumer, uh, fashion even, wellness, all that stuff. And uh, I regularly write on the topic of beauty tech and DTC and uh, fundraising and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so in doing so, I have made a lot of relationships with you know, bankers and mm. uh, not so much early stage investors, but later stage investors who've made introductions for me. So yeah, I think it's a powerful tool. You know, it's Another example would be like Shalini. She's very different from me, Shalini Videra, whom you, yeah. you had on a previous show. Yeah. Uh, she's an influencer, right? She was, before she was an influencer, she was a global makeup artist yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. So that's leveraging a different strength. Influencer means she has a community building you know, strength. Yeah. I have more of a thought leadership strength right. and in a, diff like in a different, more, different kind of community, yeah. Yeah. So you have to leverage what your strength is. Mm -hmm. And I, I see two different varieties or actually three different varieties of founders. So mm -hmm. you'll see the influencer. And these are the people who generally tend to uh, get funding because they have some kind of clout. So yeah. the influencers, the thought leaders, um, then the people who have very pedigreed sort of Silicon Valley um, residents the you know he used to work at tesla or google google like people think is the world yeah um ex-googlers get funding so easily yeah wow okay good to know mm -hmm. um so i mean having this conversation actually i think my next question um probably will touch upon this a bit what i want to know is what's one topic that's you know concerning the problems women face that isn't spoken oh, about good one <laughs> I know there's many. Um, if you would like to narrow it down to the investing, fundraising phase, or I mean, whatever your take is, what, what do you think is the problems that we don't speak about enough? Uh, I mean, I have been speaking about it lately. So other than the tech, uh, well, this is a big problem in the tech community in the US. And I think it's a global problem, actually, uh, because historically tech is very male dominated. Yeah. And in addition to that, in the U.S., it's also very white. Mm. Indian men are overrepresented as engineers and to some degree as founders, but not Indian women, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, there is a complete lack of diversity. So that is something that I have been very outspoken on. And I have been writing articles on that topic of diversity mm. um, and hosting you know, clubhouse events with um with the editor of Crunchbase and VC investors and people like that from the community. Um, but I think it is a big problem because, because it's so male dominated, a lot of men have been dismissive about massive opportunities. 
right. uh, you know, like pregnancy focused startups or yeah. menopause, you know, skincare brands because your hormones change. Um, what else? Childcare, like all these things that tend to be female focused. Yeah. They just completely dismiss. I had one investor tell me, oh, I don't know beauty. They, they don't even look at the opportunity, which is ridiculous because what I'm doing is an AI. It's more AI than anything. <laughs> yeah. But yours is very tech and it's very, it's very- And the beauty industry is massive. How can you just say, I don't like, I don't know beauty. Like, but that is, that's what happens. So I think that is a big problem. Getting the uh, respect mm. and consideration Mm. is hard when it's a male dominated um, arena. I'm taking so many notes as you're speaking mm-hmm. and I'm, yeah, consideration is so important and it's true. Everything that you they're said- not even women, a lot of women are not even getting rejected because they don't get considered in order to get rejected. You need to be considered. Right. right? And, and if you're not considered and you know, there's not much to speak about the rejection at all, because if, if you're rejected, you can work on it. Um, and you can find a way to like come back and do a better uh, job of whatever it is that you're presenting or getting invested for. But yeah, like you said, consider- consideration is so important. Um, I'm loving this conversation so far. And actually, I'm learning so much about you as we speak. So my next question is, what's one business goal you'd like to achieve at the end of 2021? End of 2021. Um... I'd like to have my app launched, mm-hmm. um, fundraising done, obviously, app launched, and uh, I'd say more writing done. Um, I have been doing more work on diversity, inclusion, and equity, mm-hmm. um, so continue with that. That's, that's my goal. Okay. Uh, what does a day in your life look like? Day in my life. I wake up, walk the dog that you heard in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Um, make breakfast, have breakfast with my husband. Um, he takes the guest room. I work in the, I'm actually at his parents' house right now, just for the weekend. It's a long weekend here in the States. Yeah, Memorial Day. Um, yeah, Memorial Day. So I usually work in the living room and, uh, and then I'll take a break. We'll have a lunch together or usually apart, actually. <laughs> okay. And then um, work out. I mean, it's pretty ho-hum because we weren't doing that much because of COVID. Now I'm beginning to become more social. Mm. Um, Actually, starting next week, I believe, I start the new Accelerator, which is a three-month intensive thing in New York. Okay. Or three weeks, sorry, three-week intensive program in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other than that, what else do I do? I do a lot of reading. I think uh, that's critical when you're doing startup, like tech-based stuff. Yeah. Uh, to learn. Um, I'm doing a manifestation class on the side for like personal growth. Yeah. Um, also learning tarot cards again for personal growth. Nice. Um, and then just reading. I do a lot of audio books when I'm like cleaning dishes, you know, washing dishes yeah. and things like that. Okay. Like. That's my new, new thing. I, cause I think, you know, learning is fun. Yeah. Uh, and being entertained too. So if you can do that while you're also keeping busy, it's keeping, yeah. I mean, doing chores, yeah. <laughs> uh, killing two stones at once. 
I love hearing how everyone else's day goes. Uh, so I, this is my favorite question. I think I wait to like and ask this question. So then I know like, yeah, those things resonate with me. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know that I can't let you go. I just have two more questions, but is there a piece of advice you would give budding entrepreneurs? Like somebody who wants to start out or is thinking about starting out? I would say it's not easy. It's not an easy journey for sure. Um, I was working at a company is a lot easier, but also the reward is not as, as great, um, because you're building everything, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, I would say, yeah, read, learn your industry. Mm. Um, you have to, because you're in, you might not have a big team. You might not even have co-founders initially. So it is your, the onus is on you to constantly motivate yourself. So one thing I do is I also look for inspiration all the time. So I read a lot of books of inspiring founders. So one that I read recently um, is Jamie Lee Kerna's book, Believe It. It is a fabulous book. She is a beauty founder entrepreneur. Her company is called It Cosmetics. It was acquired by L'Oreal for almost a billion dollars. And her story was not easy. It was a lot of struggle. Uh, She was a Columbia MBA. Uh, in meetings, you know, people had told her, oh, you know, this looks interesting, but, you know, you're fat. So I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Offensive things like that. Um, she w- uh, sold her company, her products on QVC, which is a TV. Uh, you know it? I don't know if you have it there. Um, and one large corporation was on air around the same time and they copied her brand new product. Like, so she had to deal with a lot of uh, adversity, but she made it. And the book, she talks about so much of the journey that if you're curious about what it's like as a budding founder, yeah, I highly recommend that book. Sure, okay. And um, I have just two more. So you have such beautiful skin. Uh, obviously, I mean, being in the space that you are, but are there any quick tips that Thank you- you. Can- your skin is really nice. Oh, I have great lighting. (laughs) I have great lighting for sure. But uh, tell me about your, like, is there a tip that you can share or beauty routine that you would like to or must do from your deep experience in the beauty industry? Um, I don't spend a lot of money. I have good products, um, but I don't spend exorbitant amounts of money on the products uh if you're going to spend money spend it on the eye cream and the serums Mm. Um, serums are what really penetrates the skin Um, and then on the weekend i really like to you know indulge in some self-care on sundays you didn't Mm -hmm. have to move about weekend (laughs) but sundays i usually put a yeah i put a mask on after i exfoliate my skin um and then i put um after i take the mask you know a, a nice rich creamy face mask yeah. um then after that i uh put a serum and then a cream and yeah it's nice yeah nice okay do you want to share more about your weekend routine weekend routine i like to work out i cook i usually cook more elaborate things on the weekend uh, I go to Central Park with my husband and my dog, meet with friends. Yeah, that's usually the weekend. Lovely. Movies, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Uh, and finally, my last question. Um, I don't want this conversation to end because I have so many more things to ask you, uh, especially about your writing and the tech. But my last question, is, 
is there like a piece of advice that you would give yourself when you started out? Give myself when I started out. Um, you should, okay, so as a founder, if you're fundraising, you know, it's very hard to launch a company on your own unless you have a lot of generational wealth, right? Um, the people I know who've started companies without fundraising are still starting with, you know, like $500,000, half a million dollars, $750,000 from either, you know, generation, like money from their parents or something like that. Not many women I know who yeah. weren't bankers, unless you were a banker, it's really hard to have that kind of money. <laughs> stashed away. Okay. So having said that, more often than not, most founders do need to fundraise. Mm. And uh, you also have to understand, in addition to your business and that industry, assuming it's beauty, um, beauty tech, whatever it is, um, Ayurveda, whatever it is, yeah. you have to understand that in and out. You also need to uh, learn the um, dynamics of the tech investing mm. world. Okay. So uh, one good book for that is, um, I mean, there's several books. There are accelerators for that. Yeah. Um, that's actually my advice. I would have joined an accelerator oh, first yeah. way back then. Yeah. Yeah. Not any accelerator. There are a lot of nonsense ones. You have to go, you have to aim for the best ones. Yeah. Like 500 startups is a decent, is a good one. Yeah. They're in India. Mm. Uh, y Combinator is now uh, virtual, mm. uh, but that's like considered number one in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. On deck. I don't know if they're in India yet. That's one that I'm doing, but they have programs abroad as well. Okay. We have Techstars. Um, they're quite a few. Of course, I'm in Bangalore. Yes. Techstars is a good one. Yeah. 500 startups. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Bangalore, which is India's so called silicon capital, and we have startup pitching events like every week when it's possible but yeah i mean it's been great advice so far uh and i'm so uh i, I actually enjoyed this conversation i got to know so much more about you oh, i'm going you. to read all your articles please share the links and thank you so okay. much for making the time to be here today and chat with us because i know that in three weeks maybe you won't have enough so much time to be chatting and all the best i hope you achieve all your goals oh thank you so I much following your journey and seeing how this all plays out and i'm sure it's going to be fabulous for you thank you uh let me know if i can be helpful and stay in touch yeah of course completely yeah. thank you so much thank you for listening to the podcast if you like this episode and you want more you can go to the show notes on my website which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast if you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.